Welcome, fellow lighting nerds and friends, to another episode of The Light Files, the lighting industry's podcast, powered by the Lighting Showroom Association and hosted by me, Lisa Bartlett. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, once again, I always love the chance to record these episodes and engage with y'all. Um, speaking of, uh, please don't forget to visit uh, the pod, sorry, the LSA's website at lsamembers.org um, and do consider joining the association if you're not already a member. Please join the Facebook page for the podcast where I'm hoping we can get into some robust discussions about topics we have here. That's Illuminati, the Light Files podcast group. Um, everyone is welcome to join there, whether you're an LSA member or not. And um, thank you so much for sharing the podcast with a friend or colleague, telling a neighbor, whoever might be interested. <laughs> thank you so much again. So this week I want to talk about um, <laughs> what I've heard in the news media referred to as the everything shortage <laughs> um, and a little bit of research I've done about um, things that we can expect to see for the rest of the year. Um, this might be old news or maybe some not, some sort of imperfect news for light fixture manufacturers. I'm sure you have a better grasp on this than uh, us distributors do, but I actually found it to be pretty interesting. And um, as I'm thinking about my own business for the already, gosh, believe it or not, the second half of 2022, and going into um, Lightovation in just a few weeks in Dallas, uh, it was helpful for me to kind of get a, a bigger picture overview of what's going on in our world. So I think it's no surprise to anyone that the biggest issues we're still facing in a lot of ways is virus outbreaks and worker shortages. And a lot of the issue with virus outbreaks, um, I think is, uh, clear to everyone is, uh, in China and how they continue to lock down, uh, parts of the country and cities, um, to contain, um, COVID with their no COVID policy, um, which is just kind of a different strategy than a lot of other countries are taking. But, um, you know, I've read stories about how, you know, people are, they literally install chain link fences in front of, uh, apartment buildings so that people cannot exit their building. <laughs> so, um, there's certainly no going to work when you can do that or when they do that. And then worker shortages, um, obviously because of the aforementioned lockdowns, but even, um, in the United States and other countries, um, for a variety of reasons, it has been a touch harder than normal to get workers and then to get people trained and in jobs. Um, it's just been, it's been a challenge, um, for all of us in a lot of ways. Um, but there is still an ongoing, um, demand for consumer goods and that during this it in 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 this pandemic time um again this is all well stated but there was an increased demand for physical goods over services like going to restaurants and all of these things together really put our 
supply chains on overload in a way that is um, very, very slow to get corrected. I don't think we've ever seen a time like this. Hopefully we won't ever see one again where there was such a depressed demand for consumer services and such an increased demand for consumer goods. Now the selfish part of me is real happy that there was an increase (laughs) in demand for consumer goods, especially those relating to the home furnishings industry. But but we'll set that aside for now (laughs) and just note that it's just a really unusual time. And this isn't so much a factor, I think, in lighting, but maybe the writing is on the wall a bit, that there has been an, uh, during this time, it was happening pre-pandemic, but I, I think the pandemic has probably accelerated some plans. And I think we're going to lead, see even more of consolidation of, um, I wouldn't say factories, um, somebody in the manufacturer side would have to speak to consolidation of factories overseas. But I do think there is going to be a consolidation ongoing of, um, manufacturers. Um, I, I think some of the smaller ones might become absorbed by bigger, uh, manufacturers. And I would not be surprised to see in five years, if the lighting industry in terms of number of providers of products has changed pretty dramatically and that there are far fewer uh, suppliers of of lighting and fans and electrical devices than there are now. Um, I don't think that would come as a shock to anyone. And, you know, I think we all saw the news. I don't remember if it was by the time this airs, it'll probably be a couple, three weeks in the past. Um, We all saw the news recently of the visual comfort uh, rebrand of all of the different brands becoming visual comfort. And uh, additionally, the circus stores are all going to be rebranded by 2023 as visual comfort stores. Um, I just think even though that's not really a consolidation in, in, in as much as it is just a rebranding and calling a spade a spade. (laughs) But uh, I do think there is going to be more of that in our future of, you know, things pulling together as one entity as as opposed to breaking out into more. So I do note that with our everything shortage, that we are starting to see the growth of the home products market taper off just a bit. Um, all of, all of you within earshot of this that own and operate, uh, independent lighting showrooms, you probably have seen a bit of a decrease in your foot traffic, in your retail customer traffic over the past, I don't know, for my business, it's been probably the past three to four weeks. Um, but definitely it's hit or miss. Some days we are still as slammed as we have been. And other days, like I'm calling the store to make sure the phones are on. (laughs) So it's just kind of a, a transition time. And, um, in my state in Georgia, we have primary elections. Um, actually they'll be, uh, going on the day this podcast airs. And as we all know, especially, um, 
especially even more currently maybe than before, um, elections uh, can have a big impact on people's spending habits as they wait to see what the outcomes will be. Um, so I do think unlike uh, 2008, uh, I, I do expect even though there's going to be a slowdown in some of the home furnishings categories, and you know, again, we've already noted that a little bit, I will expect to see that the mid to upper price range of products still continues to sell while the um, promotional prices, while the lower end goods will probably slow down in their growth. Um, that is actually what uh, many of us foresaw with the 2008 recession just turns out it didn't go that way. <laughs> but in some ways, there's some similarities here with the like housing boom. But I think some of the things that caused the 2008 recession to be so bad um, aren't necessarily at play this time around. So I will kind of hope and expect to see those mid to upper end um, price categories still selling through our stores pretty pretty quickly. Although I have to say and put in an asterisk here that, um, anybody who has an eye on their stock portfolio or their 401k, um, they're probably starting to really, uh, question whether they should be spending any money at all. <laughs> I know those are conversations that are going on in my household. <laughs> so, um, I wouldn't be surprised if there are many other people having those same conversations. I just think moving forward, um, and this is just my own semi-educated opinion, I just think everything's going to start to cool off. You know, like if we've been going, you know, zipping along at 80 miles an hour, I think we're going to drop back to 50 miles an hour, um, which is probably way more long run sustainable. Um, but we've all come to really enjoy the 80 miles an hour <laughs> and have adjusted to it. So there's just more adjustments, uh, I think, in our future um, because of inflation, interest rates, things softening just a bit. Um, I read in an email um, from a Matt Cooper at Uttermost, he said that um, I thought this was really interesting for me on the distribution end. He noted that um, container costs are still high and likely to stay high for the remainder of 2022 for importing products um, from China. He did say that there are more containers available, but they are still just expensive. And this sort of uh, mirrors the remark I make a lot about how once prices increase and people become uh, adjusted to the increase and continue to pay the increased price, it's really hard to bring those prices back down. So I think the only way you're really going to see the prices on containers and shipping come back down, again, this is from my uh, not knowledgeable position, but just assuming that uh, free market forces are at play, which you know, maybe they aren't, but... Um, you're not going to see the prices come down until demand really diminishes. And I don't think that's happening. As he said in his email, you know, probably for the remainder of the year, even just so people can get caught up on their backlog of goods that aren't in their warehouses, there's going to be a pretty significant demand for containers. Um, and yeah, and it's not going to be until 
you know, manufacturers in the United States or wherever Canada are saying, no, we're good. We don't need as much product. Uh, and they stop shipping as much that we're going to see those costs come back down. And even so, I bet they don't revert back to pre explosion, <laughs> pre, I don't know, <laughs> good shipping explosion rates. Um, I don't know. It didn't start at the beginning of the pandemic, but you know, shortly thereafter, I guess. So, um, I'll guess I can shorthand that pre pandemic, but, um, it just so often happens that when prices go up, they rarely come back down. If they do come down, it's minimal at best. And at some point we just become adjusted to the higher prices or there's a big catastrophe and the bottom falls out, but we're really going to hope that doesn't happen. So I'm curious to hear from those of you listening to this podcast um, and thinking about it and maybe even yelling at me that there's a million things I don't understand about how the world works. I would love to hear about that. So you go on and reach out to me, but <laughs> I would love to hear how everyone is coping with this so-called everything shortage. Um, what has been your strategy in your showroom to deal with it? Manufacturers, what has been your strategy to deal with it? I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, kind of like you do with a small child, you, you redirect. <laughs> I know you really want this thing that's not available, but hey, look at this over here. It's almost just as nice. It's almost exactly what you want and it's in stock. So I know in my showroom, there's a lot of redirection work going on. <laughs> um, and, you know, for a lot of showrooms, I think we're selling floor samples at a higher rate than we used to. And that's a good and bad thing, right? Like I, I am happy to get product into customers' hands and in their homes and to get a satisfied customer that appreciates us like going the extra mile and the service they get from my store. I also just really hate selling off displays, <laughs> you know, because it's hard to have a lighting showroom with like no lights hanging in it. It's pretty dramatic. It'd take a while for in my store to get to that position, but um, it's just... It's kind of a balance and a, a thought process that we're that I'm going through on a daily basis. Like, okay, do I want to get rid of this? Can I get rid of it? Am I committed to keep it on display? So if I take it off display, do I have to reorder it and pay a higher price? It's just um, it's just a lot of um, juggling, I think, that goes into these decisions. They're not quite as straightforward as I would like them to. Um, but I also wonder if maybe we've turned a corner in the showroom business where we are going to henceforth become much more uh, willing and able to sell displays. So I do have to backtrack a little bit and clarify that because of how my showroom is built, um, it is harder than most for most of y'all for us to sell displays. Um, we have a business model where we're definitely displaying product and our intention is to special order it until we put that, put that display on final clearance sale. Um, because everything in my showroom particularly is installed in drywall, um, it's not like it's so much more difficult to take down, but it's just not uh, as simple always as we would like it to be. It takes a little bit more time so that we have to put more thought into um, 
what we're going to, you know, take off display. And quite honestly, some of our displays are hanging uh, 30 feet in the air. And that's also very difficult. <laughs> so there's just a whole other thought process there. Those fixtures do not get moved around frequently. But the bigger picture being for most of us, I think, we have rethought our process and how we get goods into consumer hands. And I think in some ways, the changes we've made in showrooms has been more successful for us as a business and more successful for our customers and clients. So kind of, I expect to see some of these changes we've had to make for the everything shortage to kind of stick with us even when products are more readily available in the future because in some ways I'm seeing a lot of success over our uh, increased flexibility in the showroom um, that was sort of forced upon us but has been, I think, a good outcome. I want to kind of close this podcast and this topic thinking about consumer spending in 2023 and how we can, as an industry, uh, continue to engage customers and the public at large on this message of why lighting? Why, when you're spending money on home goods, why is it so important and good for your home, good for your lifestyle, good for everything, good for return on investment? to spend money on lighting. Um, I am sort of a Zillow addict. I am in no way, shape or form looking to move and buy a new house, but I absolutely love looking at homes in my area on Zillow. I especially love looking at high priced homes (laughs) and, uh, internally making fun of their light fixtures. (laughs) Some, you know, have been redone and you clearly see the designer's touch and the, and the choices are, you know, pretty good, but there are so many homes I look at even in like a higher price category where the lighting is truly abysmal. And I think Again, as an industry, we've done such a poor job at communicating to the public at large how that lighting is so poor and how their lives and homes and daily experience would be so much improved by updating, upgrading, adding lighting to their home. I um, I always know I'm preaching to the choir a little bit here, but I think sometimes we lose focus as an industry on this on this subject. And I think the the way that we get this message out to the public at large is by doing it as a lighting community. I don't think this is a project that just one manufacturer can take on or one showroom can take on. I think we can all play our parts. I think we can all work together on this. And I think if we could find a way to come together as an industry behind this concept of why lighting, why lighting is important to your home, uh, we could really make some inroads in terms of ongoing consumer purchases, right? Like I don't want us to be kind of all fat and happy with the way things have been for the past couple of years in terms of home goods purchases. 
I want us to say, okay, so that happened. Let's look forward and think, how do we sustain this at even just a slightly dialed back level, but in a way that still continues to benefit our industry, our manufacturers, our showrooms, our sales agents. I think this is really something we need to come together very, very quickly on and try to really get this messaging ironed out out there to the public and get everyone engaged and excited about this idea of the importance of great lighting and fans and lighting controls in one's home and how much value that adds, not just to your home, but to your daily life. I know everyone listening to this totally believes that and totally gets it. Now it is on us as the lighting industry to communicate that message concisely, cohesively, and in an engaging way to the public at large and to continue to urge them that these dollars they spend on this category of goods for their home is not wasted and will only enhance the value of their lives and their homes and their time with their families and friends, which is what is the most important after all. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope everyone has a wonderful day and I will talk to you next time.